let's face it, Brit happens. Success is rarely a straight line. It's a journey with many twists, turns, potholes, and unwelcome detours. The secret, however, lies in how we react. Keep listening to learn how to effectively respond to life's curveballs, improve your resilience, and how winners pivot from setbacks to success. I'm your host, Brittany Sharpton. Let's get started. I am super duper excited to welcome my next extra special guest, Dr. Steve Gallen, who is the vice chairman of the Miami-Dade County School Board, a veteran educator, former superintendent of schools, entrepreneur, CEO of TriStar Leader, author, filmmaker, and Mr. GQ. So <laughs> welcome, Dr. Gatlin. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, thank you for that introduction. Um, I was just uh, humbled to uh, validate the addition of filmmaker uh, to the bio because you, you're absolutely correct. Very, very proud this year that we were able to uh, culminate uh, the first iteration of Light Found in the Dark, the life story of Dr. Steve Gallen III, which is a three-part series documenting my life out of Liberty City uh, through my career, through the apex of, of an education and bureaucracy, uh, the challenges, but also uh, the triumphs that we now realize on behalf of our community, our school district, but most importantly, uh, of our children. So I'll take filmmaker. I'll take that. I'll take it. I'll take it. Next time I'll leapfrog that to the front of the introduction. So thank yeah, you. I may not be the most GQ today, but you know, we have a, we're okay. We're okay. I mean, even even on his most dressed down day, it's GQ. So you're being humble. Thank but I appreciate that. So Dr. Gallon, with all of your accolades and experience, can you share with people who aren't familiar with your background how you got into education? Uh ironically, I didn't fall into the field of education and I don't uh, have any aspersions uh, about people who have fallen into that as a field. Uh, that was a field that I chose. Uh, coming out of high school, graduating from Miami Northwestern Senior High School, I was a part of FEA. I was actually uh, doing tutoring at Holmes Elementary School as a part of a, a, a school-based project, which eventually led to me uh, being a Silver Knight, of which I did win uh, that particular year honorable mention for English and Literature. Uh, and I made a determination that when I applied for school that I was going to apply to be an educator. I wanted to select a specific content area, so I majored in English education uh, with the desire, the hopes, the goals, the aspirations to come back and become a teacher, which I did. So I uh, chose that as a profession, went through the educational program, did my internship at Rickard, Rickards High School in Tallahassee, uh, Florida, which is the Northwestern High School of, of Tallahassee. <laughs> uh, similar school colors uh, as well. Uh, urban school in a very small, somewhat rural uh, community. Uh, but it was a tremendous experience and it really started to uh, place me on the pathway to where I am. I understood that education was my passport to success. And I always embraced the notion that the more you learn, the more you earn. And I went back to FIU, earned a master's degree in educational leadership, eventually earned a doctoral degree in educational administration and supervision. But in between all of that, I became the youngest assistant principal at the age of 23 here in Dade County Public Schools, uh, became the youngest principal at the age of 26, 
And then I became a high school principal uh, just shy of my 29th birthday, of which we did some legendary work, uh, superintendent search, in which I asked the position to become superintendent uh, in a district in New Jersey. Uh, that was a tremendous experience, uh, transition out of that role and continued to do my uh, private consulting, educational uh, support of schools, districts, and organizations. And then when I came back home, Brittany, uh, to uh, be by the side of my mother, my father had already passed, but my mother had uh, gone ill. And I had an opportunity to spend time with her during her latter days, but the public kept seeing me having gallant sightings and say, we would like you to come back to the public space uh, to be that voice uh, that you've always been. And in 2016, I accepted the challenge and the voters in District 1 elected me decisively. And in 2020, I was humbled and honored to be uh, reelected with no opposition. And uh, very, very uh, humbled and honored. It's been a tremendous journey. And I say journey because by no stretch of the imagination with all of the accolades, awards, and achievements, uh, do I believe that I've arrived. But this has been really part of God's purpose and mission in my life and one that I unapologetically and boldly continue to fulfill. Yeah, that's hard for me. I mean, that could be the whole podcast. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. An impressive resume, as you mentioned, and all these, the history that you made at such a young age. And you recently had a birthday. Yes, would, yes. So would you share with us, I know I'm, I'm skipping to serious to now a little bit inside of your personal life. What did you do to celebrate your birthday? Um, really didn't do much. I uh, went out for some dinner. I was able to uh, lean into uh, my uh, GQ uh, <laughs> affinity and, and actually uh, put on my red bottles, my Christian Louboutins that night and kind of just spent a little night on the town, a few cocktails, a little lobster uh, with some some friends. And, and it was a, just a real easygoing evening and easygoing weekend because uh, out of the public limelight, I'm a pretty easygoing guy. So I understand people see the videos at school board meetings. They hear me uh, champion certain issues at the state and national level. I am the chairperson of the Council of Urban Boards of Education, which is part of the National School Boards Association. So I have to represent uh, the voice at the national level as well. But in my private time, in my private life, I'm pretty much an easygoing uh, father uh, to my seven-year-old daughter who keeps me pretty busy, uh, but I pretty much um, enjoy my, my quiet time when I have an opportunity to have it. I was going to say, when there's an opportunity, which is far and far and wide in between, but just a little lobster and red bottoms, no invite, but I see there. Anyway, <laughs> Dr. Allen, what is the state, what would you say is the state of education here in Miami-Dade County? Um, the state of education in Miami-Dade County is, is one that uh, continues to lean into the reality and the fulcrum of, of, of continuous improvement. Uh, despite the accolades, achievements of our school district, we, we've done well. We're an A-rated district. But one of the things that I've been very transparent about is that we have tremendous opportunities, but also tremendous obligations uh, to address the issues relative to the learning of the least, the last, and the lost. 
And when I say the loss, because despite all of our achievements, we still have pockets of underperforming students. We have pockets of underperforming schools, and we have pockets of underperforming and underserved uh, communities. And we have an obligation to uh, address all of our students from Florida City to County Line Road, and I've really been a champion for that. Uh, with the support of my board members. Uh, they've been really uh, very supportive of the policy positions that I've taken. Uh, most recently, one has been significant and it has resonated not only at the local state, but it's also resonated at the national level. And that is to address the perplexing, the very vexing, the intractable achievement gap. And what that means is, yes, uh, we've done well, but quite frankly, we still have a significant number, double digit uh, percentages of students that are not reading on grade level, that are not mastering mathematics on grade level, that are not achieving uh, at grade level. And that is a, a, a continuous conundrum, not only for the Miami-Dade County Public Schools, uh, but districts around the country. But what we had to do was be courageous and bold and, and unapologetic and public and transparent about that reality and take a strong policy position and not just talk about practices. We're not just talking about what we're doing or what we're going to do, but the board leaned into a policy position to make addressing the achievement gap and closing the achievement gap the policy position of the board. So now this will not be a conversation that is predicated on a moment. It is one that will involve a movement. So each and every year we'll give an account as it relates to how we're moving the needle on poor black and brown children in the Miami-Dade County Public Schools. And that is something that I'm very, very proud of, but that is something that reflects the current state of our district. Uh, I will add, Brittany, that in light of the pandemic, we obviously know that when things are bad around the country, things are worse for poor black and brown children in communities. So we do anticipate some significant challenges uh, in the days, weeks, years, and, and generations ahead. Uh, but we're very uh, encouraged by the uh, economic infusion of resources and support that we've gotten from the Biden administration uh, in the tune of $1.1 billion that will be coming to the Miami-Dade County Public Schools. I took a very bold step in terms of leaning into that particular uh, iteration of accountability to make sure that, number one, the public is aware, because that's not our money, that's the public's money. Uh, number two, we we're going to be very transparent about how we're going to utilize that money. That money was allocated on the backs of, of the least, the last, and the lost. If you look at the criteria for how that money was uh, calculated, it was for children who are poor, children who are not reading, children who come from underserved communities, children who have disabilities, children whose home language is not English. So it really is an opportunity for us to accelerate uh, learning, but also mitigate many of the learning losses that we know exist. And again, uh, make sure that we're accountable to the public for those uh, funds that have been earmarked for our children. Thank you. And you segued into my next question. I was going to ask, how is the capital program going? So we're familiar with it, but can you explain? You mentioned the billion dollars and there's a huge capital program. So what's well, that, the $1.1 billion that I referenced, that was from the American Rescue Plan. That is specifically for education. Uh, previously, you're aware prior to me getting on the board, there was a $1.2 billion bond program, the general obligation bond, that was to enhance uh, educational facilities and upgrade technology in the Miami-Dade County Public Schools. That predated my arrival on the board, but I did have an opportunity as a taxpayer to vote in support of it. Uh, we supported it for a number of things. Yes, our facilities needed upgrades, they needed enhancements, uh, our technology needed to be expanded and amplified, 
but there was also a bifurcated promise to uh, increase opportunities for jobs, to expand economic opportunities uh, for black uh, black communities and African-American vendors and, and construction managers and, and women-owned businesses and veteran-owned businesses. And this was not predicated on what Dr. Gallen said. This came out of the disparity study that was commissioned by the Miami-Dade County Public Schools that identified significant disparities in terms of how these particular groups uh, were not doing business and engaging uh, fully with the Miami-Dade County Public Schools, which is a five plus billion dollar entity in and of itself with the second uh, largest budget in the county with the largest employer. So yes, we have an obligation to educate children. That is our core mission. But we also have an obligation to uh, provide for parity and equity and access uh, to economic opportunities to to our, our constituents and to people who t- pay taxes here in Miami-Dade County Public Schools. So that continues to be a journey. Uh, we made some progress, but where we represent over 20 percent of the population in the Miami-Dade County community, uh, we still hover just a bit over 10 percent of our participation in the economic equation. And that is something that is unacceptable. That is something that we're going to continue to push on. That is something that I'm encouraged because our board has strong policy positions relative to that commitment. But obviously, if that policy doesn't translate into practice, uh, we have a ways to go. Right. So what what would you say are a couple of things that we can do for Miami-Dade County public school system to be the prototypical system in the nation. We've made a lot of progress and you've mentioned some of the things that you guys and even predated from you have worked on, but what do we need to do to bridge that gap? I think what you're doing, Brittany, is part of bridging that gap. I think a lot of people have lamented relative to the pandemic. And, and, and yes, the pandemic has caused a uh, horrific devastation in terms of families and economic hardships. And quite frankly, and sadly, and realistically, the loss of human life. Uh, but the silver lining in the pandemic is that it's allowed an opportunity for us to become more engaged because we've had to be socially distanced, but we have had an opportunity to realize some intellectual proximity. So relative to utilizing technology, we've been able to engage uh, more than we would have. Who would have thought a year ago prior to the pandemic that I would be on uh, Brit Happens about <laughs> education here, but the pandemic has opened up new opportunities, new communication channels, and I think it's an opportunity for us to expand what we do, uh, knowledge about what we do in the Miami-Dade County Public Schools to expand and increase knowledge about opportunities in the Miami-Dade County Public Schools. But with that knowledge, with that awareness comes some degree of increased accountability. And as board members and as policymakers, we have to lean into that accountability. And to do that, we have to support transparency. We have to support levels of engagement, and we have to continue to perpetuate and promote uh, levels of inclusiveness. So I think the public has to stay involved, get involved, and we as a district have to be reflective and responsive uh, to the perceptions that are held about uh, accessing the Miami-Dade County Public Schools and not only respond to it with knowing about it, but doing something about it. And that brings us to the next iteration of what we're doing right now. We'll be doing some of that work tomorrow, which is our strategic plan, which I was very, very proud to be the sponsor of that board item. Our strategic plan uh, expired in in December 2020. uh, And I was anticipating some uh, discourse about how we're going to move the needle, but that didn't happen. So the board um, led on that particular issue. We had uh, full support, unanimous support about how we're going to move forward in that particular process and how we're moving forward is being transparent, being inclusive, and at the end of the day, once again, being accountable. 
Thank you. So Dr. Gallen, we spoke about this, the school side. And in the beginning, you touched upon something that I think is really important and people don't realize. You also clearly have a personal life, a professional entrepreneurial life. And people, I'm sure it's a lot of, there are a lot of skeptical people. People are honing in on everything that you do and post. So how do you balance still staying true to yourself and also excelling and doing an amazing job on the school board? And I love the question. And I think within the question was the answer. How do you stay true to yourself? Uh, stay true to yourself. <laughs> uh, be unapologetically you. And I tell people, uh, be you. Uh, I think there's some uh, level of, of access to people's lives, especially public figures. And, and I have been one who has been applauded to a greater extent uh, by opening up the door to, to some extent to my life, obviously to the work that I do publicly. But during this pandemic, and I must be very, very transparent, during this pandemic, uh, I had an opportunity and I had a sense of reflection to open up even more so to my personal life. Uh, if you took a, a view of what my life looked like over the past year, uh, my life was really managed and really uh, involved heavily my daughter. And I think, you know, people that would never years ago have contemplated seeing me in a pool, uh, <laughs> with my daughter, her playing on my neck, because that was something that I kind of uh, kept uh, concealed in my life because right. my children previously, my older children, obviously grew up in a, in a public space and, and that has its pluses and, and minuses. Uh, but now that I've been on a larger platform, I, I've, I've been somewhat mindful of that with, with my daughter. But I think people need to see who we are as, as individuals. We're not just simply policy makers. We're not just simply orators. We're not just simply uh, people who can be misperceived, especially uh, being a black man. I'll tell you, you know, we get this very often. And I have to juxtapose the reality. Why is it that black men are described as angry and other non-black men are described as passionate? You know, so I understand the iterations and the elements and the uh, indicators of systemic racism that uh, comes with some implicit bias. Uh, and I'm not saying there was any strategy or any intent to debunk some of those notions. Uh, but in the midst of the pandemic, you just have a proclivity to open up what life looks like inside. And obviously I'm not in schools, I'm not in the public. So what does my life look like? And that provided an opportunity for me to be reflective and also to leave uh, some messaging to people that it's okay uh, to live, it's okay to smile, it's okay to swim. And at the end of the day, it's okay to love. And I think as black men, we have to uh, represent all of those elements of who we are. We're not a myopic people. We're not just one-sided, you know what I mean? And I think, I've been able to balance that uh, very well. And I think it gives people some sense of, of my humanity. Uh, and, and that's important. And this is not really a novel uh, view for a lot of people because I was a principal for 10 years. Uh, my students have always understood who I was as an individual and appreciated that. Uh, but this new iteration of my life and the midpoint of my life uh, has afforded me uh, some, some level of comfort, some level of confidence and, 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 and heightened uh, commitment to being unapologetic. And, and lastly, I, I would say that for an elected official or public servant, if you will, there has to be some sense of authenticity. I mean, some people believe you can fake it till you make it. I don't believe that. I mean, what you see is what you get. If I decide to get on a car and go for a drive and listen to music, that's the music I listen to. If I decide to jump on a Harley and go for a ride, that's what I do. 
I decide to jog and you see me sweating, that's real sweat. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, my life is not scripted. My life is what it is. And I think uh, that speaks to who we must be uh, as public figures and our constituents and the young people, especially who look up to us, need to see us as real, living, breathing, caring and loving individuals. And that is what I try to convey in my public service, but also in my private life and that part of my private life that I reveal to the public, that which I control. Right. And you do an amazing job. So what's the, because I told you before that you need to make shirts and a hat that says, and I, what's, what's the phrase? Wait, you're at the mic. What was it? Huh? What's your term? I can't believe I'm forgetting this. I should have well, written it. Well, the term, it was just a thought at the end of the, at the end of the day, it's just me, you and that microphone. Yes. Can you say it again? <laughs> at the end of the day, it's just me, you and the mic. Now I'm sure all y'all agree. We would buy it. So this is something else that you could add under your umbrella of. I think they would need to understand the context of that. In a public space, uh, especially as a public official, um, and I mentioned earlier that often Black men are being described as uh, angry in some context. I see some of my colleagues getting it in and and making some statements. And I have a couple of zingers myself. uh, And I understand that the camera is there. And whatever I say on camera, run it back, run it back, run it back. Because for me, um, it's about having an intellectual debate and an intellectual discourse, which I don't shy away from. And when I make that statement, and that's why I want us to give it context, you have the context, Brittany. So (laughs) the thing is, no matter what the issue may be, uh, people can whisper, people can talk, people can speculate. But when you're in the midst of a live broadcast on a particular issue, it's you the microphone and a person who's an adversary or an ally. So it comes down to those three points, you, that person, and that microphone. And my thing is, let's go, let's go. And um, that's really, you know, where I am on that particular issue. And I take that posture at the local level, at the state level, at the national level. And we talked about authenticity, and I say this, I'm not new to this, I'm true to this. I mean, God has blessed me to be doing this a long time. I do believe that I'm forever young, and Jay-Z and I are the same age, if you want to know. But both of us are cool, both of us are hip, both of us got swag, uh, but both of us, to a greater extent, uh, are self-made. I mean, I'm not made money here, but money doesn't define your, your status. But the point is, his journey and my journey is one that I believe, uh, like uh, with others, is a journey that has been true to who we are. And, and that's, that's, that's really the core. That's the fulcrum of, of what I want to leave with people. Be yourself. Be true to who you are. And I see a lot of people who try to transition in and out of uh, characters uh, for a stage play, uh, for a performance. And, and that's not really what it is. And that's where you have to operate from a script no pun intended. You have to be directed. You have to be coordinated. But, you know, in the midst of, 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 of the discourse in real time, it's you, uh, that individual, and that microphone. Dr. Gallen wants all the smoke. I'm just kidding. So, okay. <laughs> all it. right. So I'm happy that you brought up being humanized because that's really important. I think that you should actually post more Obviously, there needs to be like a barrier between your personal life and your public life, even though it's difficult. But people like that. 
I think that, not that you care, but I think people will be more empathetic sometimes if they looked at you as a human versus an elected official. Yeah, and, and, and I agree with you a thousand percent. That was one of my quiet uh, critiques from a, from a very caring, supportive person. It was a, a, a seasoned, uh, wise uh, individual in this community uh, said, uh, you know, I've, uh, I've observed you uh, in your role as, as a father. Like, people need to see that. They don't need to see it, but that's a beautiful thing because the images that too often are um, pervasive in the media with respect to black men don't uh, reflect as prominently those images uh, that should be reflected. And again, it's not it's not a script. It's just organic. Uh, uh, It's natural. It's life. And for me, it's real life. And that reflects the real lives of of so many others as well. But I've always somewhat shied away from it. But I've kind of leaned into it organically, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some gods being let down because at a certain point you get to some level in your life that you either going to stand on your body of work. You're going to stand on your convictions. You're going to rely on your receipts and you're going to let the chips fall where they may. And not that you have... uh, the ability to rest on your laurels, absolutely not. I'm just getting started. But at the end of the day, I think over a 30 year career as a teacher, as an assistant principal, as an elementary principal, as a high school principal, as a district administrator, as a superintendent of schools, as a college professor at accredited universities, I have to say that, as as an author, as a speaker, as you say, as a a filmmaker, as now uh, an elected official, I don't have anything to prove about who I am and what I'm capable of. Uh, The proof comes into whether or not I'm ready, willing, and able and committed to being a marathon runner for this issue of social justice that's reflected in public education. And I will continue at this point in my life to keep on running and see what the end is going to be. So uh, you're right. I mean, I don't have a whole lot to prove around that and who I am. Uh, I lean into my challenges. I lean into my setbacks. Uh, somebody made a statement today. I should share. I won't share deeply. They made a statement uh, trying to resurrect or have a conversation about one of my fault time that I fell down. But God lifted me back up and mm-hmm. I, I responded. I don't really respond. I said uh, to God be the glory, uh, but God thankful. And then I put a link on my receipts. <laughs> you know, it's not about falling down. Who amongst us doesn't fall? But how many of us are able to get back up? And I think that's the messaging that we have to convey. And that's what we have to live. And I think that is what we have to embody as as believers in humanity, but most importantly, as believers in Christ, at least for me. Uh, And that's the God that I serve. And, and, you know, he says, you know, touch my, you know, do my prophet no harm. Touch not knowing to do my prophet no harm. And and we don't have to run away from, from where we've been. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's not where we're going. And where I've been, I've been to some, some great, beautiful, lovely, blessed places in my life. Uh-huh. And hence, that's where the movie's title comes from, Light Found in the Dark. And I share with someone on a personal level, that's the, 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 the gift and the curse of my life. And that's the beauty and the blessings of my life is that for every dark moment, I found light. And I want to convey that to people out there who may be in dark places. You know, 
you know, weeping may endure for the for the night, but joy does come in the morning. You just have to keep keep you know, moving forward. Right. And I believe that in my life has shown me that. And 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 God lastly says, you know, we have an obligation to let our light shine before men so that they could understand what he's able to do. And I don't want to preach, but but I have a strong conviction, I have a strong faith, and I'm required to have that because of the journey that I've had and the places that I've been and the darkness that I've experienced, but the light that I've seen. I should have added Bishop to your resume. <laughs> so <laughs> preach. But okay, so now we're going to get into the fire round. These are some fun questions and you just have to spit out the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. What's the last thing that you ordered on Amazon? The last thing I ordered on Amazon. Oh my God, it came too. The last thing that I ordered on Amazon, I can't cheat. I can't cheat. God. What was it? Oh, I order Amazon all the time. <laughs> Zoe, what's the last thing I ordered on Amazon? I don't know. Alexa, uh, where's my stuff? What did she say? What's the last thing I ordered on Amazon? Oh. What? Um, yeah, <laughs> My what now? My motorcycle passenger seat. Wait, no, I was not expecting that. That's very specific. My motorcycle passenger seat to my new motorcycle. I have bought a new passenger seat. Oh, thank you, Zoe. <laughs> so, was that your birthday gift to yourself, or you just? No, to do? I, when I bought a new motorcycle, I had to go and and I ordered a different. Uh, was the motorcycle a gift to myself, or the seat? Was no, it? the seat. Seat no, for a passenger that may be a gift to somebody else. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Uh, no, uh, motorcycle passenger seat. Yes. Okay. Um, that's the last thing. That's I the last did. thing. All right. If you had a one hundred percent chance of succeeding, what would you attempt to do? One hundred percent chance of succeeding. What would I attempt to do? Oh gosh, that's a good one. Uh, run for president. Okay. <laughs> All right. I was going to say something else, but I didn't want to say that because some people get a little uneasy. But let's say no, president. No, that's what we want. Yeah, I don't want to give any yeah. notions of my ambition, but, you know. Okay. Hell, we, we did it once, we can do it twice, right? That's true. That is true. Okay. Um, we'll cut it off. What is your favorite restaurant here in Miami? Now you go let people know where I like to hang out. Oh, <laughs> they may come stalking. Okay, Nova Car. Oh, I like Nova Car too. Okay. Okay. Oh, sh- sh- yeah, okay. Nova- but yeah, sh- just kidding. Don't pop up. Um, superpower. If you can have any superpower, what would it be? Um, to speak uh, five languages. Mm. Speak and understand five languages. Okay. Five or more languages. I don't want to limit it to five. Minimum five. five. 
minimum five languages fluently you can understand. What book are you currently reading? Um, want me to cheat? Um, John Carter, got the title, it's right there. Oh God. I can say I'm reading that one, but I'm also reading. Oh, oh my God. Michael Eric Dyson, he was my professor at Penn. Jay-Z, okay. is, that, is that new? Yes, this is Jay-Z's book. Yes, that one. I was also reading The New Jim Crow. Okay. So I try to read multiple books at the same time. Uh, I guess that's somewhat of my... Uh, pastimes? Not pastimes, my lack of ability. Uh, to, oh, to like your ADD kicking in. Yeah, yeah, to focus on one thing. You know, I read a chapter here, jump over there, depending on what 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 I'm feeling. We have Jim Crow and Jay Z, two completely one. John Carter, we got John Carter. John Carter, you like John Carter? Okay. (laughs) John Carter, shout out. John Carter, our iceberg is melting. Oh, John Carter. Okay. I'm gonna check that one out. I haven't. it's about organizations that may be about to, to fracture and, 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 and destruct and we don't know it. And how do we know that the iceberg is melting? Because what's underneath is what matters the most. It's about the foundation. It's not about what you see on the outside. It's okay. about the infrastructure on the inside. So in between your Harley rides, preaching, going to Novikov in your red bottoms, and traveling, you have an opportunity to serve, be CEO, and read three books at the same time. And take Zoe to ballet and swimming and all other yeah. stuff. Yes, and this week is five days a week. Five days a week for dance. Her recital is Saturday. So I got five days of practice this week. And then yesterday we came home and I had to honor a promise to get in the pool and go swimming. So, well, yeah. see, that's how I know you're extremely busy. That's why we're super... Grateful. And, and, and work out five days a week at least. Two miles a day at least. Right. Every that's day. how you stay looking good and young. Forever young. And, and making sure that you're starting on everybody else. Jay-Z. Forever right. young. Okay. This prefer, one's amazing. Preferred elite. Preferred elite. Preferred elite. Yes. Preferred elite non-smoker. Oh. <laughs> Anybody understands the insurance industry, they know what that means. That's the policy provision. Preferred elite non-smoker. Oh. Preferred non-smoker. You get preferred non-smoker, but you okay. get preferred elite non-smoker. Oh, I mean, so your premium is super low. Yes, you have to take care of yourself. I haven't eaten beef or pork in over 30 years. Oh. Over 30 years. I can see in probably five years you're going to turn vegan. Mm, 30 years now. I got to have my poultry. I have okay. to have my seafood. I have to have my shellfish, my crustaceans. <laughs> have that. So I have to... I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. And lastly, how can people get in contact with you? Um, depends on what the purpose is. If, if it's, <laughs> uh, obviously, if it's school board related, uh, school district 305-995-1000. If they want to follow me in my life, uh, I'm, I'm on Twitter at Doc Steve Gallen. I'm on Instagram, the Dr. Gallon, T-H-E-D-O-C-T-O-R, Gallon. And I'm on Facebook. I have three different Facebook pages, Steve Gallon, the third, Dr. Steve Gallon, and Steve. Wait, see, wait, so which one? Wait a minute. Am I on the main one? 
All right, last uh, the, main, the main one is Steve Gallon the third with myself and Zoe. Let's see which one is the main. I'm feeling some type of way because I thought I, I must be on the, the backup main, page. The main one is Steve Gallon the third. That's me with my daughter and my family. Oh, okay, okay. I think this, yeah. Yes, yes, that's the main page. Right. I feel better now. Yes, that's anyway. the main. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much again, Dr. Gallon. We're going to have to reconvene offline. I'm excited about this and all the exciting projects and wish you, of course, the very best of luck. I'm really excited to see what's up next for you because I know this is just the beginning. If president in a couple of years, but something else in between, so. No, but, but you know, if nothing else, I'll, I'll, I'll be enamored with what I do have control over and that's being a, a great father, a great friend, a great uh, community servant and a great human being. So I'll just manage and be be blessed to have those uh, superpowers and to do what I can, where I can, and when I can for as many as I can. And again, thank you, Brit, uh, Brittany, for your your leadership, for your service, and for your enthusiasm. And um, anytime, feel free to reach out and I'll tell you uh, what's happening on Brit. <laughs> thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. Be Bye. blessed. Thank you guys so much for checking out today's episode of Brit Happens. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, or Google. You can also find me online at www.brithappens.com and on social media, Instagram or Facebook at Brittany Sharpton. See you next time.